Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone and welcome to Histories of the Unexpected. Now one of the things that we've started to do is to take a break from discussing our unexpected historical topics. A very short break. A very short break. um, To do a series on how to be a historian. Yes. Which um, we found more and more people are really interested in and as professional historians one of our missions is to get as many people involved in the discipline of history as possible. Um, So this is part four of this mini-series and um, what we wanted to talk about was history for children. Our last one was on museums and where to take your children to teach them about the past and this is more about learning at home and reading. It's about children's history books. We've done an array of things in the first three. We've talked about how the kind of history we do, how we got interested in history, that kind of thing, and how you interest children. And so we were just rifling through bookshelves of our kids and thinking, you know, there is so much great material out there that makes history exciting and accessible for kids you know, um, so I think I think we're living in a golden age, about that. a golden age oh, of kids' totally, history. Totally. I mean, I've I've been into schools at the primary and secondary level, and kids are excited and yeah. obsessed with history. Do you think they always have been? Do you think this is a kind of a new engagement of history? Are we doing I, something right? I was. I was obsessed with history, but then mm. I was probably a bit of a history nerd. Yeah. History is being written in a way that makes it much more exciting nowadays, yeah. and I think there's a phenomenon associated with. Um, horrible histories. Yes, uh, the books the and it book is some series, phenomenon. Absolutely brilliant. They're Terry Deary's um, brilliant book series, but also the TV series. Um, Greg Jenner uh, is involved in as historical consultant. True. Hello, Greg. Hello, Greg. Um, what are we looking at? Horrible histories. A frightful, uh, the frightful First World War. I bought my my daughter a box set of these for this Christmas. Oh, great! Uh, which includes what is it? The what, the First World War one. It's got the woeful Second World War, vile yeah. Victorians, slimy Stuarts, terrifying Tudors, ruthless Romans, measly Middle Ages, groovy Greeks, gorgeous Georgians, and awful Egyptians. And what it's done is it's taken those kind of um, key subjects that would be taught at school and made them really accessible and interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've got a slight problem with the marketing of it, saying it's history with the nasty bits left in. Like, I can, <laughs> I can show them lots of adult books which have got nasty bits left in. I mean, if you just, if you just open it, it, the way that it's written, 
And I recommend any parents or teachers who haven't got into this, uh, buy these for your kids. They are absolutely brilliant. It actually is really good history, packaged in a really accessible, interesting way. Well, I did some work at the SS Great Britain, and um, it's hmm. Brunel's Dumbing big iron, yeah. iron ship in, in Bristol, right? And it was a very significant ship from the 1840s, yeah. um, one of the earliest propeller-driven iron-built ships. Mm. And it went through a huge renovation, and um, it was open to massive fanfare. It was all really exciting. And someone said to me, um, don't you think that you're just dumbing down the history it drove me nuts dumbing I, down is weird it's a, it's an odd it's an odd thing i don't know where it's this it's, it's an easy criticism that people throw at history um when you're trying to present it to a massive audience yeah, yeah. and i i suspect that it can be used as a criticism of children's history because you simply have to make it make it simple but I'm, I'm certain that it doesn't apply to horrible histories no no definitely not i mean dumbing down dumbing down is interesting i mean dumbing down for for me, it, I mean, it's a really sort of negative phrase. I mean, you are you are explaining something simply and clearly to a range of audiences who do not necessarily have the kind of historical training and vocabulary and concepts that a professional historian might. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. The duty of a, any historian is to be able to communicate something in an interesting and intelligible way. I think it's a very arrogant thing to it's say. It's a really arrogant thing. Far, far worse is the danger when what you do is you don't, it's not dumbing down, it's when you basically change history and you're not offering the truth as it happened, but you're putting a particular slant on it that has a particular political, religious, whatever kind of propagandist agenda. Mm. That's the danger. It's not the sort of... Well, one of those agendas can be entertainment, though, yeah, can't yeah, it? Yeah, and that's where yeah. these books can, you know, flirt with, with I mean, problems. There's, there's, I mean, I was just leafing through this one on the uh, example of a gas attack in Horrible History's Frightful First World War. And I think the thing there is, like, how do you convey to children something that was utterly, utterly horrific... Yeah, if you think about descriptions of the First World War... And you've been reading some of these recent attacks. I've been reading some of them recently for work that we've been doing, for something that we're going to be doing for Unexpected on the book, on clouds, so clouds of gas. If you have a think of um, Wilfred Owen's famous poem, Dulcet Decorum Est, where you've got these sort of battle-weary troops returning to the trenches, and then they're hit by this gas attack... And, you know, it talks about the froth-corrupted lungs. It's an image that just sort of, you know, stays with you, absolutely haunts you. Yeah. How do you how do you deal with that? You know, if we, how do you convey that to kids? And Horrible Histories are aimed at, you know, it's on children's BBC. It's aimed at a sort of broad range of kids. And in the book, this is how they deal with it. It's an order from army headquarters about how to how to deal... <laughs> to deal with a gas attack should you be without your proper uh, gas mask. And it says, if you are caught in a gas attack, number one, take out your handkerchief. Number two... I love the idea of soldiers having handkerchiefs. Yes. Yeah, I know. I never go into battle without my handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> mummy, mummy has stitched my initials into the corner. So n- number one, take out your handkerchief. Number two, urinate into the material till it is soaked. So it's fully soaked. Um, and, and three, 
tie it round your mouth and nose and breathe through it. I mean, it's a it's something that actually happened, you know. And and in, in a in a in a pinch, this is the kind of thing that you that you could have done. I mean, you probably would have wet yourself when a gas attack was happening anyway. So you you know, but put um, your trousers have, around have, your mouth. You know, it's not it's not the it's probably not the first thing that you'd think about, no. is it? Calmly take out your handkerchief. your handkerchief, urinate on it. Um, you know, yes. In complete fear, shivering, cold and mud. And but there's a little picture of it here. I know. The, 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 what's great about this is that, you know, regardless of, of all the other stories in it or anything, they've all been chosen specifically because they're entertaining for children. Yes, and I absolutely. have no problem with that at all. Absolutely. They not only have the book series, they have the TV series. They yeah. also have a magazine. Um, my five-year-old broke her, her arm recently uh, when I... I, I your fault. Took it, my fault. Um, or uh, it was on my watch. Um, and uh, getting her plaster uh, changed recently, I thought to, to sort of um, while away the time, uh, make it less sort of boring and arduous. I would buy her a magazine, and she chose a horrible histories magazine, uh, and it was great. Abs- and a five-year-old loved it. Yeah. So it's aimed at a young age as well. And I think the key here, it's about wrapping things up so that they are interesting and accessible for kids. Take, for example... And snapshotty. And snapshot. yeah, it's yeah. bite-sized. But this is a real problem with history generally. So, so one of the things that all historians now will emphasise is how massively complex and messy history actually is. And it isn't as simple as that. So if you take that weed-on hanky as an example, then to pull it apart as a historian, you say, well, what do you do if you don't have your hanky? What happens if you're so dehydrated you haven't got any wee left? What if you're so cold you can't get your trousers down? What if your eyes have popped because of the gas and you can't see anything and you're screaming in agony? What, 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 what? And it becomes much massively more complicated. And what what did the Germans do? Was that the English? What did the French do? What did the Prussians do? What was the, what, you know... What was the actual response? What are the moralities of this kind of chemical warfare when we see it happening? You know, and what was people's reaction to it? Now, would children? That's why really interesting. um, If you think about the layers of history, would children in 1915 have been horrified by that? Going, oh, you're not going to wee on my hanky, or were they going like that's completely reasonable? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 a really really clever point. You know, at what point does it suddenly become, you know, amusing? Yeah. And what subjects do you can't imagine, you know, somebody making a joke about as horrific as the Holocaust. No. You know, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, I mean. But it's also the kind of the reality of history as an academic subject and then the kind of the reality of, of the Holocaust, yes. yeah, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm doing a talk on pirates once. Yeah. And um, there was some entertaining story about Blackbeard setting fire to his beard or his yeah, face or, yeah. or or something. You know, it was a light-hearted story. And someone put their hand up and said, actually, I'd like to point out that I, I don't think you should be laughing. Pirates are a very serious problem yeah, off the coast yeah. of Africa and people are dying every day. Well, we, we, you know, I know, but it doesn't mean that history can't be entertaining yeah. and it can't be yeah, fun yeah, and everyone yeah. has to be boot-faced and sour yeah, yeah, when they yeah, talk yeah. about it. So yeah. my point is that the complexity of it all, the stuff that we find fascinating, can come later. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it, you yeah. know, it's, it's and you're aiming at you're aiming it at kids. I mean, I, I, an example that that sort of springs to mind to make things accessible, what, but which is in, historically incorrect, is in the Usborne Book of the Romans, so the tiny little Usborne so, um, wh- history wh- of the you, Romans. You might assume that Usborne are a reliable publisher. Yeah, and they do. They do. do. They do brilliant books. Um, they are the first port of call yep. in bookshops. That's your entry into a particular topic, and. I remember reading with one of my kids the book on the Romans and 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 the vomitorium. 
Right. You know, so the vomitorium is the room. I think we've spaken about this uh, in the past. Uh, Did we the do vo- the history of vomit? We didn't do the history of vomit, but we should do the history of vomit. But uh, the vomitorium was, was apocryphally the room that people would go to when they left a banquet, having just sort of gorged themselves, right. that they would then throw up in order to then return to the banquet and continue drinking rich food and, and drinking sort of wonderful wine. It apparently, it was an invention in the 19th century. Huh. Um, so it didn't exist. Yet it is in this book because kids will be interested in it. Mm, that's interesting. Um, that's a bit sinister. But it raises a very important question of who writes, who writes these yeah. really massively consumed yeah. books about history. And if someone's up there saying that the vomitorium... Yeah. We're not saying they didn't purge themselves after eating no, too much, because no, I think no. that's true, isn't it? No. But there was a room called the Vomitorium. I think, you know, it proves to me that the Osborne History Book of the Romans was not written by a professional historian. Yeah, quite probably. And it's worth thinking about that a lot of these um, widely accessible books that are often anonymously written are not written by peer-respected professional historians. And that's a big problem. Yeah. It's it's almost like the kids' market is often seen as a, as a slightly softer target, and, yeah. and you, they can get away with all sorts of things, as long as it's entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But certainly that's not the case with, with horrible histories. No, 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 no. no, no. Their, their stuff is, is, is great. It's exactly it's, well judged. I think it is it's so useful for parents getting kids interested in history. Mm. Uh, a friend of mine, Jerome de Groot, uh, her, who wrote a brilliant book on public history called Consuming History. Hello, Jerome. Uh, up Hi, at Man- Jerome. Up at Manchester. You would love Jerome, by the way. Um, it's a great book, and he's got a he's got a chapter in there where he has a section on history books for children, and he he talks about the way in which horrible histories work, and in some ways, horrible histories is subversive. Right. So basically, you pity the poor teachers in the uh, classrooms, yeah. and teachers do a wonderful job trying to sort of explain things. And and I know as a, as a lecturer, you know, the last thing you want is the sort of the smart aleck at the back of the lecture theatre raising a hand, having just googled, you know, some fact. I think you'll find, you know, yeah. and, and, and what basically what horrible histories is doing is it's arming kids with all these amazing facts. Yeah. Is it true that Henry VIII only, you know, I mean, you can imagine, you can imagine one of the kinds of things. Is it true that the Romans wiped their bottoms on leaves? <laughs> but it's brilliant because it, it is you know, brilliant. History, history should be playful and it should be. No, I, I, I it couldn't, should make I couldn't you think agree in that with way. you more. And, and I find it quite dispiriting and disappointing that a lot of the audiences I come across as a public historian yeah. expect their history to be. Very serious, yeah, and it's quite important. It's quite dour, and actually, yeah. I mean, for some people, history—it's all about oppression. It's all about slavery. It's all about wrongs that needed yeah. to be, need to be righted, yeah. and, and that's fine. Other people just expect their history to be straight and yeah. completely straight yeah, up yeah, yeah. and down, and quite traditional, serious, quite serious of, yeah. and traditional. Yeah. I think that yeah. anything worse, actually. Yeah. But I certainly come across more people like that than I do people who think it's a bit silly and a bit fun. And I'm not yeah. talking in a horrible histories way. I suppose I'm talking in the way that we deal with history when we sit around and have a laugh and say, actually, all right, well, you can write a history of dust. Yeah. Or you can yeah, yeah. write a history of leaving. History of dust is very serious, very serious topic. <laughs> it, can be, it can be very silly. No, not done by us. No. <laughs> I mean, I want to be serious for a moment, though, because I think we're looking at a kind of history book that is is entirely entertaining. But I think also if you look at the way in which history across history has been taught in schools across different cultures, and you Mm -hmm. think about Nazi Germany, you think about Stalinist Russia, Mm -hmm. you know, the kind of history that is taught 
you know, in many ways is building those kind of cultural foundational blocks yeah. of a you know, a mindset, a historical I knowledge. I know nothing of, about that, but I'd people. be fascinated but, to read it. You know, what were kids of, taught the in the of, year three of the French Revolution? Yeah. I'd love yeah. to know that. And during the reign of yeah. terror. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I mean, you just look at how the, the national curriculum has changed over the last 30 years or so, you know, as we enter Europe, as we sort of move away from Europe, as we're, you know, becoming more multicultural and, you know, the kinds of sort of global history or British history or, you know, all of that is, is very influential. One of the interesting things as, a, as somebody who's interested in women's history and gender history, and it's something I've been passionate about for for years did my PhD on, is the degree to which women's history is taught and talked about. And I've been doing, as part of a part of some a research project, been doing some work with um, a woman in Sweden, uh, Baroness Alexandra von Schwerin, who has a wonderful exhibition uh, in her castle, as you do being a baroness, on the powerful women within her family. And what's extraordinary is the way in which she's using that as a vehicle to try and change the way in which Swedish society teaches women's history. Yeah. So trying to get it into onto the curriculum, into textbooks. And I have here um, a brilliant book that I bought for my kids recently. Uh, it's by Bloomsbury, mm-hmm. by Kate Pankhurst. Mm-hmm. And I think she's probably related to some of the Pankhursts, so the suffragettes. Right. Um, and it's called Fantastically Great Women Who Changed the World. We so often, what we get is a digest of male sort of historical heroes, but this is... Who a, are those? Who's she? I will open them up. And so we've got here um, Frida Kahlo, the painter, um, Mary Anning, the woman who discovered fossils, Jane Austen, the, the novelist, or Coco Chanel, Emmeline Pankhurst. Yeah. Uh, so Anne Frank, we mm. all know about Anne Frank and her diary. And Amelia Earhart, so a sort of an, an adventurer. And, and you know, a whole range of people. So it's trying to, it's it's giving... That's an excellent... In sort of accessible... Is that recently published? It's recent, recently published, yes. I picked it up at the Science Museum in 
Bristol. Okay. Have you been there? at Bristol? Yes. Brilliant science, yeah. science museum. You should all go. Uh, and they have they have this wonderful book here. And again, it's done in sort of little bite-sized pieces. Yeah. So Gertrude Adele, um, who was a, a channel swimmer, in 1920s teenage Olympic medal winning swimming sensation, Coco Chanel, um, the, the sort of fashion person, Frida Kahlo here, uh, famous for the unibrow. <laughs> have you never seen the, the film Frida? No. Frida? Um, Marie Curie. Uh, who who we all know about, uh, Mary Anning. There we are, the finding uh, finder of fossils. Um, so I've got a question. Yes, it's re- I, I'm really interested in things like this. Do you think it's okay to slip in a fake one? Well, like Mary Poppins. <laughs> Do you think that's okay? No, not you, don't, you don't think it's no, okay. But I am normally. Do you think it's okay if you if you slip in a fake one like that? But say in the book, one of these is made up. To get people uh, I to suppose go and... if you got pe- if you got people to to sort of go and do that, yes, yeah, I suppose you're not convinced. Are you? Well, no, that, no, I think I can think about great hoaxes like that. There was yeah. that. Um, there are loads. There was that book on Nat Tate. Mm. Um, I really into historical hoaxes. Really, yeah. I would like to do a hoax TV program. Oh. Nice, Just genuinely make something nice. Up. You could reveal it at some point because it's all yeah, it's yeah. filled with playful of um of what what is acceptable, what is accepted, yeah. what people believe, what where your authority lies as a spokesperson for history. So you you can do it in two ways. One is you can tell a pretty well known story and slip in a couple of fake facts, or you can do a completely made up story. I think it would be be difficult to get past the commissioners, quite frankly. Nat Tate was the American artist, uh, supposedly dated nineteen twenty eight to nineteen sixty which was actually a novel written by William Boyd. And um, it was written a few years ago. And I remember the way in which they presented it. And David Bowie sort of stood up and was sort of saying, yeah, well... Oh, he invented you invented know, someone. I, I, yeah, basically invented... Right. I, I, you know, when I remember, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it totally made up. And really? then you got all these sort of art critics who were saying, yeah, wonderful work. Yeah, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. And total and utter hopes. And it just takes the authority of someone like David Bowie to say... Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, yeah. You need somebody like that, and then and then suddenly it become you know it's convincing. You've got that sort of authentication behind it. Yeah. What 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 hoax would you do? I don't know. I am too interested in it to even yes even think to about even, it in a playful way. Or even divulge it to even divulge it. it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be yeah. flaps. But I'm like, sorry, I mean, I just, are we allowed to go go and talk flaps? about flaps? I don't like the position don't you like? as a historian that people immediately believe everything I say. As a historian, there has to be a great deal of qualification. So the, 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 the yeah, kind of yeah. the broad point here is yeah. about being a historian is that yeah. is that this is it's more or less my best guess. There are some parts in history we don't know what yeah, I'm yeah, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. but uh, certainly in TV history and often in books as well, what the publishers want or the commissioners want is straight facts. You can't constantly hedge yourself and say right. if you only think about this on Tuesdays and it only happened in yes, Sweden yes. during the Austrian Swedish conflict of 1633. Yes, yes. You can't do that. You fundamentally can't do that in public history. Yeah. But that means that that a lot of the things that are said in yep. history yeah, yeah, yeah. and are assumed yep. to be true Good. are Good. not necessarily true. It's just one of the things I don't like about being a public historian. It makes me feel very uh, uncertain and unsettled. And it also gives you a great deal of power because you could say something and you could put it out there on Twitter or on a blog or a vlog and I could make it up or I could be just talking off the top of my head and it might not be true. And I think a huge warning needs to be yeah. be given there yeah. with this even the very best historians they yeah, are yeah. working with limited information and it's yeah. what they currently think and they could change their mind it's completely fine for them to change their mind within a week within a month 
I mean, that's back to what we were saying about dumbing down as well yeah. earlier on. I think the skill of communicating something in a very simple way requires you to distill so much kind of nuance and variation and variety and to be able to to synthesize it in a particular way. Yeah. So, you know, across Europe, such and such happened. Whereas, yeah, you know, Europe as a sort of, you know, much more complex entity, yeah. the picture becomes but The moment you start questioning but... and questioning and questioning yeah. and questioning, yeah. it just, the whole thing just falls apart. Yeah. But your history yeah. does completely fall apart and you end up not being able to say anything about anything. But what I really like, I brought a couple of books as well. well. Good. And um, then, then I'll talk about flaps. Okay. I love books with flaps. These are... Um, oh, nice. So, so th- th- what we're doing is we're talking about this border between fiction or outright fantasy or things that are made up and history. Hmm. Okay, and I think... What have you got here, Sam? Well, th- these are two of the most inspirational books for me uh, hmm. when I grew up. So so we have Asterix here. This is Asterix and Cleopatra. I just grabbed it. It is still in the loo by our uh, downstairs loo. Um, and, uh, you know, it's brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. It, the introduction, the year is 50 BC. Gaul is entirely occupied by the Romans. Well, not entirely. <laughs> One small village of indomitable Gaul still holds out against the invaders and life is not easy for the Roman legionaries who garrison the fortified camps of Tutorum, Aquarium, Laudanum and Compendium. Still <laughs> excellent names. And then... You see, if you know nothing about Asterix, I should think lots of people know a lot about Asterix. But the one thing you know is that you have a little kind of adventury person, like a little warrior called Asterix. Then you have this kind of monstrous guy called Obelix who carries stones around. Um, you know, these are, the, these are the kind of the stones that were used to build Stonehenge and things like yep. that, you know. Yep. Um, then you've got a druid and you've got a chief and you've got a bard. Yeah. Cacophonix. Which is the best name and, and vital statistics, the chief, and you've got Getafix who makes potions and basically <laughs> drugs everyone up to the eyeballs. So if you remember nothing about this, you will remember that in France, which might surprise some people, if they didn't know that, in France there were Romans. Yes. Not only were there Romans, yes. but there were Gauls who were living under Roman rule. Not only that, but Roman rule was not necessarily strong all over Gauls. These are the really important, quite subtle points to make about the, the Roman um, invasion of Gaul. Then you realise there are different types of people. No women, unfortunately. Uh. Uh, certainly not in this um, the main the main list. There are women. In this one, obviously, there's Cleopatra. But you'll realise there are warriors. There are people carrying around huge stones and setting them up places. Um, there are druids. There are chiefs. And there are bards, there are people who sing, there are people who entertain, there are people who are worried about health, there are people who fight, there are people who are in charge, and there are people who live there. And that is amazing, I think. And you don't need to go Franco-Roman history in a nutshell. It is Franco-Roman history in a page. And there are, uh, God knows how many Asterix books there are, someone get in touch and tell me. But um, just by reading them and getting into them, kids will know those simple, really important facts about the Roman occupation of Gaul. I mean, how cool is that? And then this one by uh, Tommy Ungerer, who's one of the most magical kids' authors, um, called The Three Robbers. Now, this little book here inspired two entire BBC TV series, which I presented. One was uh, The History of Weapons, and the other is The History of Outlaws. So Mm. it's about... It's a brilliant story. It's about these three robbers who um, do quite a lot of kidnapping and bad stuff. And um, it's all about their... It's beautifully illustrated with their weapons. The first of the robbers had a blunderbuss. The second had a pepper blower. And the third had a huge red axe. What the pepper blower for? 
In the dark of night, they walked the roads, searching for victims. And then this is what they did. To stop carriages, the robbers blew pepper in the horses' eyes. With the axe, they smashed the carriage wheels. And with the blunderbuss, they threatened the passengers and plundered them. Anyway, they do a lot of stealing gold. They end up stealing a child. It all gets a bit dark. But yeah, that's I've always loved the story and it inspired me to make a series about the history of weapons and a series about um, the history of outlaws. That's where, it all, that's where they both came from. Yeah. And I, well, th- those really appeal to me because they're not... Those appeal to me more than horrible history books. Right. I'm much right. happier with someone being really playful and making stuff yes. up. Yes. But inspiring people about history somehow. So this is all about horses and carriages. Yeah. Um, it's about people in castles. It's about strongholds it's about trade it's about money economy um it's about rules it's about law it's about people living outside of the law it's about people living outside of society it's mm. about homeless it's it's brilliant but it's all wrapped up in a made-up story yeah um so th- those two appeal to me much more than and historical fiction works in that way you it know, does I think that's, yes yeah but sometimes you get confused i think i used to think yeah. the yeah. hobbit was an actual real history of wales <laughs> <laughs> But it's based on Anglo-Saxon England. Yeah, um, it's not. Just to let you know, the Hobbit is not a uh, is a, a true history of Wales. I wish it was. No. That'd be brilliant. Flaps. <laughs> yeah, go on. Books with flaps. Yeah. Are you a fan of books with flaps? Fan of pop-up books. Is that the same thing? Is that what you're going to go? Kind of. Kind of. I mean, there's no pop-up. I've just noticed a lot of books by the Usborne flap book series, and there's this amazing. They, they kind of you move a flap and it reveals yeah. something. You remove the flap. So, for example, you know, early Britain. And then you can have a look inside. As you can see, this has not been read yet. Mm. It's a sticky flap. <laughs> None of the books. Um, and, but basically, you've got here a early Britain house, an Anglo-Saxon great hall. Yeah, you lift it up. You maybe. lift the flap. Yeah. And then you look inside and it's the picture is revealed. And I think what kids like about this, and there's a whole series of these, what they like about it is the ability to sort of explore further. Yeah. Playing um, with the book, interactive discovery book on, on the castle here. This is one of my favourites. Uh, um, I'm a bit cynical it, about books on castles. I'm sure you are, but I bet this this would, had you read this before your series. Let on me have castles, a look at this, please. Um, this would have inspired you. Be careful with it. Okay, well, I'm not going to read it. Don't, don't, what, don't do you, what, do you like, what do you like about this? Well, I like the the fact that it has flaps, <laughs> and you can see every aspect of it. This, for example, um, walled in. And you look, you suddenly open it all up and you can see inside the okay, castle all yeah. the different bits. Living you can see what castle. it's like flying as a, you know, being a knight and doing a joust and training as a kid and, mm. and Does go he, on, he, critique it now. No, no, I don't want to do that. I want to see it was written by, it's written by someone. Hmm. Yeah, I don't want to, to rip holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's very difficult to do. But it's, this is this is anyway. He likes the flaps. I like the flaps. They're quite fun. There's lots of things. They all let someone injured from a flying arrow. That's quite good. Uh, does it tell me at least what period of castle this is supposed to be? Okay, so medieval we, we had castle. castle. Yeah, what does that mean? Come on. Well, medieval. So well, we, there's a great know, deal of difference from I know, a castle I know. built by Henry VIII and I know. Yes, I know. And William the Conqueror. They should have at least given a date. This is a rough idea of a castle in 1230. It looks like. A French castle in the mid-14th century. You should have written this book. You should have written it. <laughs> yes. Would you have designed flaps? Yes, definitely. Yes. Yes, and, and pop-up things. Good. Yeah, I'd have had a kind of like a working pop-up trebuchet. Gosh. Are we done on children's books, do you think? Uh, do we have anything more to say? Well, just that they're extremely important for uh, getting your kids involved in history. You know, that, that after all is what we want... 
with this. You know, we're not looking to sort of force history down people's throats, but there's actually an important social mission here that people should be knowledgeable about the past and not just the past of their own country, but they should be knowledgeable about the past in, you know, around the world and, you know, and be able to distinguish different cultures and different periods and see how we have arrived at where we where we have arrived today. And that, well, that place is a really big burden on publishers. Yes. Okay, so, so yes. you can't just publish history books for children and hope they make you loads of money. You've got to pr- publish stuff that's true <laughs> to start with, or it's very obviously fiction, like Asterix or The Three yeah. Robbers. Yeah. But making them as playful as possible and... I would like to see books with flaps for adults. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I'd like pop-up books for adults. The sole, well, this modern thing in colouring books, right? You know, the kind of colouring in books and mindfulness. It, it's good that adults are colouring in. Are colouring yes. in. I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Um, and I don't see any difference with making kids, which are traditionally for children, books that are traditionally for children for adults. I mean, that that Castle's book, I wanted to go through it and open up all the flaps. Yeah. I'm not yeah, yeah, eight. Yeah. I'm yeah. forty. Yeah. You know, someone they make me a book with They're... flaps. Someone make me an adult pop-up book, please. What, on what subject? A rude one. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it there. Um, that was the uh, us thinking about... Um, books. Ch- children's books. Children's, children's history books. Uh, if you enjoyed us, please listen to our other episodes on how to be a historian and also our crazy chats about history of, of unexpected subjects like we've done the history of zombies and dragons and leaning haven't we we have and gloves yeah. and farts and um, toilets true very kids would like those ones yeah uh, you can follow me on twitter at dr sam willis and you can follow me at james daybell and you can follow histories of the unexpected at unexpected pod and um, we're proud to be part of the uh, history hit podcast ne- network yes we certainly are. Um, and if you want to find out more about our show and other History Hit shows, go on to historyhit.com and you can find us at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. Bye! Bye! If you enjoy this podcast and you like learning about the past, check out my latest venture. It's called History Masterclass, and it's a new type of historical event where you can actually learn in person from the best historians around today in unique and stunning historical locations. You can find out more at thehistorymasterclass.com and follow on Facebook. And Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Twitter at the History MC.